All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake here. Coming to you. It feels like it's been forever, Jake. It feels that way, but you know, we pump out that content every week, so. That's right. We appreciate <laughs> all of you being here. And Jake, uh, today, this podcast is brought to you by the Bird app. Ooh, the Bird app. Yes. You know, bird is the word, Matt. Bird is the word. So I can't say the name of this app because they do not pay me in any way. But there is this amazing bird app out there that uh, when you download it to your phone, you press a button and it listens to all the birds in your area. So if you hear this, please leave us a bird in the comment. <laughs> Perfect. But a, but, a, but a very specific kind of bird, like a feathered kind of bird. One that so. we would uh, be able to recognize. Yes. Yes. So put a bird in the comment and that'll let us know that uh, you did indeed listen to the first 20 seconds of Savage Lounge. Well, <laughs> I guess we're now to a minute. So Man. time flies when you're having fun. That's right. So, well, Jake, what are we doing here? So this is continuation of our uh, Torah portions, high level, uh, just broadcast of what this Torah portion is about. And this one is Beha Elacha. Which means what, Matt? When you set up. So maybe that's why I chose people setting up a tent. That makes sense now, now so. that uh, I put the two together. <laughs> oh. Yeah, because actually I was sitting here going, why am I looking at a tent? <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're setting up a tent. Well, yeah. I thought it was a rock at first, so you're ahead of me. Okay, maybe you need to get those eyes checked. Okay, numbers <laughs> that is uh, true. <laughs> numbers 8 uh, through 12, 16. So we are in numbers and we'll go right into it. So uh, we've got this guy here, clearly getting shaved somewhat. So, oh man, completely <laughs> shaved. And why is that? So, well, you see that the Levitical priesthood is kind of sworn in. Uh, official ceremony has been performed. Uh, what would swearing in? What would you say it was? Uh, kind of a dedication, I guess. Dedication, yeah. And so. Moses was commanded to sprinkle water on them. They had to shave, had to wash their clothes. Probably time they washed their clothes anyway. That makes sense. So You, you want to have clean clothes. That's right. So I can imagine that uh, their children did not recognize them. So I'm sure you've seen the little babies uh, that they show <laughs> on Instagram and the socials of wherever you watch those things. And, and uh, the little kid cries because they don't recognize the dad because he shaved. Yeah. I have a uh, similar experience to that. I don't know that I cried, but if you ask my dad, he'll certainly say I did. Of so. course, he will. <laughs> I mean, that's his only option. So. All right, so we know that they did that at the beginning <laughs> of numbers. So it looks like we cut off the screen a little bit. I was trying to make it too big, but hopefully you can see it. So there's this instance where the children of Israel lay their hands on the priest, and in essence, they're transferring sin to the priest and then the priest laid their hands on a sacrificial sacrificial bull and the priest were an offering in 811 so what do you think about all that um i think there's several instances of you know what this is like um you have the the goats uh the azazel goat mm. uh and that kind of thing there's a lot of laying hands for transference of sin going on and uh this is one of those instances of getting rid of the sin in the in you know uh quote unquote getting rid of the the sin uh before you go in front of yah before you're dedicated to him yeah yeah being set apart mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And then this uh, is interesting yeah. part here, the um, because early on when they are leaving Egypt, they talk about uh, the firstborn being dedicated to Yah. And then at this point, we're seeing that the priesthood is what represents the first fruits. It's that firstborn being redeemed uh, by Yah. And he, he takes them as his own, basically, mm-hmm. his inheritance. Yeah, yeah. And that comes from Numbers 8, 17, and 18 is where you're going to find that. Right. And like we said, you know, the whole point of what we're trying to do is we want you to go read the scripture for yourself and see some of these things. Right. We're just trying to hit the highlights. So priesthood. So what does this mean, Jake, that it was from 25 through 50? So that was your retirement age, I guess. Uh, you, so you had to be uh, just like the presidents of, of your. They had to be you know, 35 to apparently forever, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. So there was a age of, uh, ability, I guess, to, to be in the priesthood. I think one of the reasons is you have to establish yourself as a person who fits the criteria mm-hmm. and you can't do that without living some life. So yeah, that you would, couldn't do that at 18 that you had to be, you know, 25 and you're kind of an adult at that point and you had to be proving that you were old enough to make these choices and you weren't doing it just because your parents did it you're like this is this is who you are this is what you're choosing right and i think they established 20 years as their fighting age basically there that's what they typically count from is 20 and older uh for their military group um so this is even older than that to get established in priesthood. So Yeah, yeah. So in the mandatory retirement at 50. Yep. And then Passover verses 9 and 5. So Jake, I thought this was interesting because uh, they're clearly not, they haven't crossed the Jordan. Right. And some people have debated this, haven't they? That's right. And some people say, you know, I observe the second Passover because we're not in the land. We can't observe the first Passover. But to me, this is biblical proof. Well, technically, the first Passover happened in Egypt. Correct. So, and then the second one happens outside the land. So, uh, yeah. But technically, they are in the Abrahamic land grant that Abraham had. Right. I think uh, a couple of things with this. Um, like you said, the first Passover was in Egypt. Um, and then when it talks about keeping the Passover and keeping the different feasts, it's, it's always kind of, uh, uh, surrounded by in, when you go in the land, you know, in the land, do this. And then that's used as a, a way to say, well, we don't have to do it cause we're not in the land. Uh, and yet, uh, the, we would say that these guys aren't in the land, uh, technically, but, Actually, technically, I think they are. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of a uh, how you want to read your theology into it. But um, one of the things that I think gets kind of missed is they're entering from the east to the promised land. So they've kind of gone around the Jordan and are coming in from the other direction than what you typically, at least when I grew up. I, I'm always thinking, okay, straight across the map. Mm. but that's not how it worked so mm-hmm. yeah 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 and i think there's a reason for that it's when it have to do with 
territory and they went around some someplace. Yeah, that's so, that's true. Yeah. And I think too that it's a pointing to Messiah coming in from the from east. From the east for sure. Yeah. Foreshadowing. So Jake apparently in Numbers 14 that talks about one law. Would you read about this? Yeah. And if a stranger shall sojourn among you and will keep the Passover unto Yahweh according to the ordinance of the Passover and according to the manner thereof, so shall he do. You shall have one ordinance both for the stranger and for him that was born in the land. So that's Numbers 9.14. So it's this uh, idea of, of Yahuwah is no respecter of, of people, of a person. And so maybe that's why I chose the ants here because they're all working together. You know, it's not like in the ant world, one of them goes, well, I'm too good to do this. I can't participate in this. But if they do, we don't know because we don't speak ant. But, I don't anyway. But I don't think that, uh, you know, you just seem like if you watch animals in the wild, they pretty much, um, you know, they just they act as one one unit some you know they don't uh, divide up humans definitely we want to divide up sometimes but but this to me is a proof of a scripture we're going to see um later on in the new testament as well Correct. so a tie-in that you may not have noticed yeah so galatians three twenty-eight. there is neither jew nor greek there is neither bond nor free there is neither male nor female for you are all one in messiah yeshua so we see a lot of similarities between them being one here and the oneness of this. Right. So um, a lot of people will point to a verse that talks about, well, if you know the animal dies of itself, give it to the stranger, that kind of thing. But you don't eat it. So there's a difference between just a stranger and someone who will sojourn among you. So that's the kind of the distinction in this case. It's a stranger that is going to sojourn among you. It's going to become one of you. So yeah. Uh, so this if, is a person that's like, I am part of your family. I'm yeah. doing what you do. So if you're trying to Romans 11 graft into the olive tree, now you're the stranger that's sojourning among them and you become mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. You're becoming uh, their, you know, their people, so to speak, right. their family. You're now Israel. So Galatians 3.29 as well. And if you be Messiahs, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise? So there you go. One one law wasn't a new concept that we see in Galatians. Right. We've been there before. All right. So in the Numbers 9.14 and 11.4, we find this idea of a mixed multitude. So specifically, 11.4 mentions mixed multitude. So Torah was for all. This is not a Jew thing. This was for every anyone that wanted to participate. That's what makes you Israel. Right. It's and not it's, your bloodline. Exactly. It's not for the Jews. It's for all because it's because all are welcome to graft in to Israel. Yeah. 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 There was no prohibition for someone coming in if they wanted to do it they, they just had to follow the rules there were rules and uh, the house you know just like any house any kingdom yeah. any mm -hmm. country has its has its rules yeah so study that out if you've never looked at it because it's a big deal and it's important to understand it so numbers 10 14 28 says we're talking about leadership and we uh, that we so Jake, what do I what do you think I mean by this concept of great fathers come great sons? Okay, so 
in 14 through 28, he starts listing the people that are going to be um, the leadership. Moses is kind of setting apart the leadership of each of the tribes. And so uh, when we, when Matt and I talk about this, it's, it's about the leadership is probably chosen with some standard and some criteria, probably similar to first Timothy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when they are chosen, they are going to be people that you can count on. And so that should pass on to their sons and their sons and their sons. Ideally, if you're, you know, keeping, if you're keeping the commands correctly, because children will be obeying, honoring their fathers and mothers and parents will be teaching their children in the way that they should go. And so it should carry on leadership begets leadership essentially. Yeah. And it doesn't specifically come out and say, Hey, these guys were chosen because X, you know, it just says they were chosen, but we, we, we can read into the text and the, you know, no organization chooses you know, usually they don't, <laughs> but, and that when our world today, you can make an argument, well, yeah, sometimes bad leadership is chosen, but, but, uh, but typically people choose the best and the brightest, the, you know, the people that, uh, and in this case, uphold Torah values and love, love Yah and, and practice it. And it's evident they had fruits in their life that would demonstrate, we know, but it doesn't say that exactly. No, but I think we can assume that. I think it's a, a fair assumption because, uh, now we know that when people choose leadership, they pick people like the biggest and strongest, like, like when David, picked, for example. Yeah. When they picked uh, Saul, right? Yeah. Yeah. Saul. Yeah. David was the runt of the leader. Right. Leader. And so, However, I don't think it's too long prior to this. They're giving a criteria for leadership. And you saw um, uh, Jethro talking to Moses about leadership and to appoint certain heads of, of uh, tribes and, and groups uh, for judging purposes, judging matters. And so I think based on the fact that they had recently been given a standard for, for what is a good leader and what is a righteous leader that I think you can say, well, that's kind of how they're going to be picking these people. Yeah. Well, then and I think the reason I say what I say here is because this particular passage uh, in 14 and 15 specifically, well, it really goes on there for several verses. It specifically names the father and the son. So it'll say like um, Nathaniel, the son of Tassar. I'm reading out of the Sefer, but, um, but you know, for each one of these guys, it names them and who they are the son of. Yeah. So, so the lineage, you know, we say lineage doesn't matter and that's true, but, but, what does this mean? This kind of lineage, this, this, this lineage does matter. What is this saying? Yeah. How is that different than say a bloodline lineage? So, yeah, I guess the difference would be that, uh, your lineage doesn't identify you, uh, in terms of, uh, the, the spiritual realm, the exactly. spiritual kingdom. This is a spiritual lineage. But, yeah. But in the, 
Uh, so when we are tying to Israel, it's important to be part of that lineage, but you don't have to be born in that lineage. Exactly. In this exactly. case, uh, where it's physical uh, manifestation, you know, the, the physical realm, then uh, your identity is based on your father. So that's why you want to be sons of Abraham, as in the Galatians verse we read. Yeah. And in that, in that sense, you're talking about people who follow the commandments. Yeah. And that's what makes you that way. And so, and I think it's safe to say that these fathers and sons, they are people who followed commandments and that's why they got picked. Right. And, and it's not just some rando picking them. It's yeah. Moses picking them. Yeah. Yeah. And you had to know that he was guided in this and directed. So, because uh, we know if they had left it up to the people at this point, they might not have chosen correctly. Right. They might have been like, oh, I like how he looks. And it could have been a, a, a bad move. Right. I mean, that's why the scripture, God looks at the heart, man looks at the flesh. All right. So oh, I didn't know it kind of comes out of the thing. Man, so <laughs> <laughs> That worked out pretty good. Yeah. So by our reckoning, humble reckoning, Numbers 10, 11 says that this could be about 50 days from Passover approximately. Yeah, I, I don't think we know for sure, but but I think there's some interesting tie-ins that we'll see, right? Yeah. To yeah. why we might think, what is 50 days after Passover? Hmm. Mm. Well, let's see. Yeah. So in Numbers chapter 11, we've got, we see that there's some, uh, the fire consuming, is there fire? There is some fire. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Fire comes down and consumes them for complaining about the food and then so let's just stop right there jake is it is is food a big deal to the father i mean there's whole chapters on it so i I would think so yeah and here's another instance that involves food and fire comes down and and to deal with the people because they're so ridiculous about it right So, so anyway so complaining not good to be a complainer. Yeah, I think I think on the food line there, um, you know, my daughter had an interesting question the other day. She was saying that uh, she was asking if in when Yeshua comes back, will we have to eat? And I was, you know, I don't know that there's a specific thing that says you have to eat but we do know that he comes back and there's a wedding feast we do know he comes back and there's a penalty of rain not coming on your land if you don't keep the feasts and and things like that and why would that be a penalty if you didn't need to eat things because the rain grows your crops so uh point being Eating is something that he gave us that we like to do, and it's a good way to get together and talk about things and learn things and fellowship with each other. I think food's a big deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, and complaining is a big deal, because, you know, 11 <laughs> yes. one it says the people complained, it displeased Yahuwah, Again. and Yahuwah heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of Yahuwah burnt among them and consumed them that were in the outermost part of the camp. So, yes, yeah, food is a deal right. and complaining. 
Yeah, uh, definitely. One of the guys I used to Bible study with, he he would say he thinks complaining is one of the biggest sins in the Bible, and I can't can't fault him for thinking that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, over and over and over. Um, and uh, I guess in just read in Psalms one, it talks about contemptuous people and same same kind of thing. Yep. So, Jake, we see an interesting pattern. We like to find patterns in Scripture, and this does seem to be a pattern that we've discussed at different times. There's a pattern of Shavuot, and and, and like we said, don't take our word for it. Go look at yourself and see if you see what we see, and we tend to see some certain things. What do we see at Shavuot? We see fire. We see 70 leaders, or, or what we have deemed... Uh, the multitude, right? The 70 nations, the, what is the, you know, all the nations of the world represented. Um, you have a spirit filled moment, a prophecy and wind. Jake? So this is why the couple of slides ago, we said the timing of that is kind of interesting from Passover yeah. of when this happens. Yeah. So Jake, there was spirit and prophecy in the old Testament. Yeah. 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 So, and if you don't believe us, this go is, read Numbers 11. Yeah, this is very, very similar to the Acts 2 situation. Yeah, yeah. So there's some really interesting things here. And, you know, when you first discover this, you're like, whoa, what? They had the spirit and they had prophecy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So Numbers eleven twenty four through 30, uh, these 70 leaders also kind of interesting that, you know, these are 70 leaders from the tribes and they're not the priesthood. Yeah, Matt, you made an interesting point about uh, basically a hierarchy of leadership or a uh, stages of leadership, how typically our standard thinking is, well, there's the priesthood and that's it. They're the, they're the head. But... Uh, when you look at it this way, you see there's the priesthood set up. And then below that, you have separate from that, you have 70 leaders from each of the tribes that are picked. Um, and and what do you think part of their job was? Well, I think, um, you know, something to say about these 70 leaders, there could have been some priests picked in this group. It doesn't say. But um, but I do think it's interesting that they're not all priests and all from the Levitical line. Um, but um, so what was your yeah, question? Yeah, I, I kind of see it as uh, like, uh, do you see it as kind of like you have like your 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 main leadership being the priesthood and then you have kind of your like city council mm-hmm. of, of the elders that are kind of overseeing that well honestly you know so much of the priesthood it was a labor force yeah you know they're the they're they they, their job is to move the the stuff and very specifically accurately and then the high priest definitely had a very specific role and function well the the levites had had moved things and and packed things up roles Mm -hmm. did the priest did the priests themselves have those roles or was some of them or was that mainly service in the in the tabernacle so definitely did you see um you know the the movement of things and then the high priest definitely has a specific role but 
But, you know, it's definitely something to research and explore. I think sometimes the priesthood can be elevated to a place, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think about it like this because had the body of people studied the Torah and learned it the way they should have later when they're in dispersia, when, the, you know, when they've been conquered and, and even before they were conquered, you know, you see a lot of crazy things where, you know, some of this priesthood, it just it isn't, isn't right. There's a corruption and a falling away in the priesthood. Yeah, yeah. They're not not on the right path anymore. And the, But the people should have been able to hold them accountable. And they, and they didn't, but the problem was they didn't even know. But, you know, had this thing functioned properly, that's kind of like a check on, in, in this system of government, if you will, to keep people, you know, it should have functioned that way. These families, these leaders, because there's clearly this leadership that had been established that should have been passed down from generation to generation. And these people should have known, hey, this is how you do that. Now, that's not right. You know, and even all the way into to David, where they transport the ark on the cart. You know? right. It's like they didn't even know there was no one alive. And if they did, they didn't say anything. Um, but uh, but th- that got lost. Uh, and it's people who should have heard the Torah year after year. And they should have known a lot of this, you know, all these things. Yeah, I think that's a real important way to look at it, especially when you tie it into the way you see things go today and uh, how important it is to speak up when there's corruption taking place in a, in leadership roles. Uh, in this case, it's you see corruption in the priesthood. The leaders should be going to them and saying, hey, this isn't right and yeah. you need to change what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Or we're, we're going to uh, intervene through you know prayer and supplication against what you're doing because yeah. it's, it's contrary to, to Yah. That's right. And then, and when we pray those kinds of things, that would have been in Yah's will. And there's, I, I don't doubt, there's any doubt in my mind that he would have intervened and right. he would have done something to help this, help the situation out. But they didn't cry. They doubt, they didn't ask for help. And so he's like, okay. I think well, that's, yeah. And I think that's are, real. Good luck to you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. you see how it works out for you. <laughs> Y'all figure it out. Y'all come back to me. Just give you a little time. And, that, and they did. Right. So, so I think, yeah, I think that's an important lesson that we can take today on, you know, what are we doing to hold our leadership accountable? Yeah, yeah, all of us have this responsibility. It was never meant to, and I think that's been the problem with mankind since then is we go, oh, they, they're the leader. They tell me what to do. No, that is, it was never intended to be that kind of thing. It was intended for us to know it. For him, for the for him to write the Torah on all of our hearts, right. not just a handful of people. Right, and I think that's uh, uh, this is such a important trail. I think, um, but I think that's important too when it comes to there's a lot of people that come to Torah and then leave church, um, but I don't know. There's then there's some people that stay in church. And it's like, no, I feel led to stay here and, and reach out to people. And I think that's similar to this. It's, it's are we going to voice to the leadership, you know, in church that, hey, what you're doing is contrary to scripture. And are we, are we going to speak that out? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think this is a real interesting take. Yeah. 
Well, go look at it, go read it, see what you think. Let us know. So, yep. and we see a direct tie-in into First Corinthians fourteen five. And the Jake, would you explain to us and read this how First Corinthians fourteen five is connected to Numbers eleven twenty nine? All right. So I'll read uh, the first one here. I would like. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So then in Numbers 11.29, it says, And Moses said to him, uh, Envious thou for my sake, would Elohim that all Yahweh's people were prophets, and that Yahweh would put his spirit upon them? So same kind of deal. Uh, he's he's elevating this uh, uh, gift of prophecy, but saying also this isn't the only thing uh, that you have available to you to be edif- edifying to the church. Well, yeah, to me, he's saying the same thing that it's better to prophesy than to speak in tongues because when yeah. you prophesy, people are edified and can be convicted of their wrongdoing and maybe make a teshuva and uh, make things right. Right. And you see so. in the example that we did earlier that ties into Shavuot and you see in Acts 2 also that they do both. Yeah. They prophesy and speak in tongues. Yeah. And once again, connection to Shavuot. Yep. Pentecost. All right. So Jake, apparently a rebellion is brewing. That's what I hear. So chapter 12 is where the rebellion starts. Um, People were questioning Moses, even his own sister. Right, and Aaron, and his brother, yeah. Yeah, and see what happens next week. Stay tuned. Do-do-do. All right, so here we are. We come to the end of Numbers 8, 12 through 16, when you set up, or... Beha Alucha. If that's easier for you to say. So Can't be. Can't be. Yeah. So, Jake, uh, what do what do we need people to do next? Uh, next, you're going to uh, click the like or subscribe button and uh, check out our website. And you can get the Torah portions there. And this uh, presentation will be on there. Yeah. And there will also be a handout. All the things that visually we just showed you will be there as well. So... And we encourage you to join millions of people around the world. And I mean, literally millions around the world reading the Torah portion at the same time, basically is the rest of us. And uh, Yah is working powerfully amongst his people. And we're glad you're here. And and once again, please leave us a little birdie. And let us know that uh, you heard us talk about the bird app. That's right. Then we know who our true fans are. So... We uh, thank you for uh, taking a listen to Sabbath Lounge, and we do ask that you share this with other people. Uh, please, if there's someone else that's t- that you know that's a Torah pursuant or Torah observant, uh, please send them a link to this, and uh, we greatly appreciate that. So, But thank you for being here, and this is Matt. And Jake. Signing out.